Market moving insight and analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with David Faber and Jim Cramer. Uh, futures are under some pressure, uh, thanks in part to IBM and Intel. But even beyond that, this bearish macro call out of B of A is making some waves, along with more Republican resistance to the president's stimulus pitch. Our roadmap begins with the Intel and IBM drag on stocks. Tech, a pandemic favorite for investors, but the two tech giants failing to impress with their quarterly results. Plus, the Biden economic agenda, Treasury nominee Janet Yellen leaving the door open to a tax hike and big tech's extremism pushback. A federal judge blocking Parler's move to reinstate its use of Amazon Web Services. Carl. All right, let's get to Jim. Uh, talk about big tech. Jim, I know you're just covering it with Andrew and Becky and Joe. It sounds like maybe you believe uh, the more important story of the two is going to be Intel. Yes, uh, it was a sobering call. You know, they've got a new CEO, Pat Gelsinger, who was on the call, uh, late of VMware, 30 years at Intel before taking that. Talked twice about uh, being back at home. That's how he identified Intel. Uh, but home is sobering because home is a place that fell behind AMD. Uh, they haven't been able to make this this seven nanometer uh, there was hope at the end. They discussed about making the three nanometer, but that would be offshore. They'd be done with Taiwan Semi. It was a sobering call, Carl, because it was about a company that was the leader that is no longer the leader. And they took the stock down themselves because they were uh, very, uh, let's say, honest about where they were in terms of production of the most important ship. And during a boom time, David, sometimes... You're on a team, and the team doesn't win. And it's a team that's one and one and one. The Intel was the Yan- were the Yankees, and they're not anymore. And it was very tough to listen to. They become, I don't know, uh, uh, the Mets. Well, first of all, if they become the Mets, then they're in good shape. All right. Oh. Uh, and I, I, can, <laughs> I can spend the next two hours going through all the reasons why, but this is not WFAN, and so we will not do that. Uh, at this moment. But I would mention the stock was up, what, 7% going into the close. because People of course, should listen to the conference call. Right. But remember, they reported the earnings while the market was open. Uh, and the reason they state is because of potentially a hack that somebody got a hold of, uh, of uh, through an illicit action that had not involved any unintentional disclosure by the company. They got involved of a graphic from the quarterly earnings statement. So the company decided to move forward by 10 minutes or whatever it might have been, its, uh, its announcement. And so the stock did trade up dramatically on the revenue beat, Jim. So what we're giving up now is really only what it gained, in fact, not even as much as it gained yesterday prior to the close. Now, that's very true. And, and I think that the people who bought it were just simply lo- looking at the top line and bottom line saying, wow, Intel is participating in this incredible uh, chip shortage that's raising everybody's prices. I mean, PCs have been through the roof, right? That's, PCs that's one of the are key amazing. reasons. PCs are amazing. Uh, Dell's great. Uh, you, um, HP's being, uh, doing a terrific job. Uh, obviously, uh, Apple, the Macs are, are very, very strong. I, I think that if you want to base uh, a theory about PCs, that's fine. But you really need data center. Uh, and, and more importantly, Intel is a technological leader. Uh, so it, 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 there's a lot of businesses that they compete against AMD and NVIDIA. And, Carl, in both cases, AMD and NVIDIA have won. So now, Pat... 
Gelsinger has to be thinking about 2023. Uh, there are people who want him to think about 2022, mm-hmm. but it's 2023. And if they come back, uh, if you're buying it now for 2023, that is very, very difficult. Because that means you've got a, a real valley you've got to see through. A great balance sheet, uh, always um, a, a company that everyone knows is, uh, let's say, uh, uh, deep in the firmament of semis. But the idea that they're not going to build their own fabs, and once again, another outfit that is dependent upon Taiwan Semi, which has about 55% of the foundry space now, well, all it does is put more pressure on the United States to protect Taiwan. And people have to understand that in the in the semi world, it's the single most important thing, not whether uh, Restoration Hardware RH makes its furniture in China or Vietnam. It's about protecting Taiwan, because if Taiwan semi were cut off from the United States, all the companies, all the companies that make chips in this country would find you would see that we don't really make chips. We just make this. But he did. He did say on the call, Gelsinger, right. and it was interesting to have what? him on that call, Jim, as well. Was that it? By 2023, they still expect a majority of their products to be made internally. I mean, let's the three, actually the three nanometers, the key one, David. Right. Which they're not anywhere near. Right. That's it's the three because they've missed the seven. Yes, they missed it. Let's take a listen to Mr. Gelsinger from the call. I am pleased with the progress made on the health and recovery of the seven nanometer program. I am confident that the majority of our 2023 products will be manufactured internally. At the same time, given the breadth of our portfolio, it's likely that we will expand our use of external foundries for certain technologies and products. So they will use some outside, Believe more it or inside. Not. And to your point, though, Jim, and it's an important one, and it will be something the Biden administration we will watch closely. How much of a national champion do you make Intel? By the way, that was part of the thesis of Third Point when they got invested in the right. stock, and they'd done fairly well. They didn't end up nominating for the board. I mean, they had some people, but they got the guy they wanted, which is Gelsinger, and the lead role now no, of course, as, as the incoming CEO. But that continues to be sort of part of the bull case here, that eventually you're going to have to coalesce around Intel as your national champion around chips because of the very things you were just citing. Right right now it's Micron, and Micron makes a little bit more commodity, although much better than expected. And people just under – the people who, who poo-pooed Micron just really have been left in the dust. But you're right, David. Uh, when I heard that Intel was going to make that three nanometer – uh, with, uh, it sounds like, with Taiwan Semi, I thought two things. One is, oh, come on, why doesn't Intel build that plant? A shining, a, a, a foundry on top of a shining hill somewhere in America. <laughs> but uh, I also said that Taiwan Semi can make it faster and better, and therefore they can compete against AMD in the next one. You know, people who sold AMD when Gelsinger came in, they must really have rose-colored glasses because this conference call was about we didn't do it right, but we promise we will. Sobering, sobering call. And, and the, the swan song for. Oh, boy. Really? You went with Bob, that? Bob Swan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> look, I'm going to go to Lucid Motors if you're going to give me a hard oh, time. Oh, gosh, today. please. Please. You're going to need you're going to hang yourself you wanna, for that tie. Why? Ooh, hold it, I don't have a tie. tie. Uh, Carl, he wants to keep getting me in. In trouble. I'm going to have to have somebody start my car for me at some point t- soon. Well, Lucid is in the paper. It's Andrew Liveris. Well, uh, we haven't got- talked enough about Andrew and, and how well he's doing in all these SPACs. Well, he's, yeah, he's involved in a lot. Listen, we've got a key SPAC this morning, guys, that we're sure to focus on, which is the CLII, uh, which is combining with EVGO. And what does that stand for, Steve? What does that stand for? What do you mean? What does it stand for? Like That's what it clean is. Clean and happy. Go. It's, no, I know. It's, yeah, it's, it's I mean, very important. It's the largest. By the way, that LS Power, which, you know, owns it, 
It's uh, it's interesting. That's David Crane, Beth Comstock's well, in there. David funny. Crane was the first guy. Right. Because remember what he did? He built all those. He, that yeah. was his key about why you were supposed to own his stock. Right. Right. So that CLII, Carl, is one. We'll, we'll get to it a little bit later and go through some of the keys of the deal. It's our latest back to jour. And you can change. see it's going to be up 53 percent on the announcement of this deal, of course, combining with EVgo. Climate change crisis. Let's yes. get the Robinhood people on the phone right now. The Murray men. How can you not own I climate, not change, own climate crisis? change crisis? Number that one. That is the greatest. I'm waiting. For, what, do they have climate change crisis? No, that's going to be two? global warming. Number two. <laughs> Carl. There is something going on in this country. I'm going with the, the icebergs are melting, number three. I like that I a like lot. I like that one, too, uh, right? Coal is dead, number yep. four. Uh, uh, it is absolutely true, Carl, that there are companies that are actually giving themselves names that make it so that the Robin Hood people like them. And let's not forget the Wall Street Bets people who ganged up against Andrew, uh, Andrew Le- the Citron, he came out with a negative piece about Citron and there are Citron uh, about GME, and I've got to tell you, GameStop, there are people on Wall Street Bets that are joining uh, the Affinity Club in order to boost the numbers so this stock stays in there. I've never seen anything yeah. like it, Carl. The involvement of these comp- of these investors in the company to the point where they're actually buying things in order to make the quarter, Carl, I've never seen anything like it. Never. Well, Jim, it kind of brings us to, in a roundabout way, this note out of B of A, uh, which warns about an extreme rally on the street, uh, largely due in part to what they call a D.C. policy bubble. Michael Hartnett writes, uh, when those who want to stay rich start acting like those who want to get rich, it suggests a late stage speculative blow off. Uh, They already said sell the vaccine back on November 20, Jim. uh, But I wonder this I don't know if it's a bear case. They're still looking at 3,800 for year end. If that's having any impact today, it is. But it's too broad a brush. I mean, we've seen over and over again that there are people, uh, married men and women, of course, who do a huge amount of homework and are in the right stocks and have done a fabulous job and know much more than the graybeards about these new young companies because they use them or they've been put out of business by them or they know friends who've been put out of business or friends that have done well. And I describe that. That happens to be Snowflake. Uh, I could describe Zoom in the same way. It's put out. These kids know these companies. It's where they go. They know far more than we do. I do not like the denigration of this group. That said, there are two markets. There are the markets of the uh, climate change. And what we got? We got some more, David. I'm sure this coming up. You know, uh, maybe. Maybe, David, uh, to yes. the moon.com. You know, I mean, because Kat, the Kathy Wood stocks. Sure. Well, That's Kathy, right. OK. Kathy Wood is the most important. We haven't uh, talked about her enough. She yeah, has a, every day at four o'clock. You see what she bought. And then there are people because she takes in so much money who buy what she buys. It and, is amazing. I mean, listen, to be fair to Kathy, she had one of the great calls. She and yeah, Ron Barron on Tesla. Denig- no, you weren't denigrating her at all. I can remember, though, when we, and Carl, we'd have her on and. Her target was some number that was almost impossible to imagine Tesla would ever reach. And, of course, it's breached that and gone far beyond it. So kudos to her. She's fabulous, but she does put her stocks up, Carl. Not unlike what Robin, the Robin track used to do. And there are people who just swarm in and buy her stocks. Now, that may not be a great style of no, investing. No. That, uh, but then there's people who buy. I mean, look, you want to buy IBM? It's very inexpensive. I don't know if I want to because uh, it's got no momentum. But I'm, I'm surrounded by stocks yeah. right here with the exception of Fisker. That don't seem that expensive. And, the, and there are other companies, Carl, that are doing the right things. Alphabet. Alphabet's going to have a big quarter. More importantly, they are closing a division called uh, Loon. 
And I went out to see Loon. This is the big bubble division. And it was like, wow, that's a big bubble. It, you should read, everyone should read it. It's in the New York Times. But it's, it's, it tells you what's happening at Alphabet. They're not tolerating losses anymore. There's no bubble in Alphabet. The bubble is in the SPACs, not Alphabet, not FANG. I think Facebook's going to have a good number. I think Apple's going to have a good number. Amazon blowout number. And by the way, Microsoft will be good. So I think that we have to distinguish between high, high growth companies with good balance sheets that are making a lot of money, and then the SPACs that I can't even keep track of. I can't. No, it's impossible. We do have a lit. We do have, fortunately, have a SPAC 50, Carl. It's impossible. No, we have a SPAC 50 we, at we, CNBC. We have a SPAC 50, uh, and it's an index, and we should point out well, these think- are all SPACs, Carl, sorry, that um, have not announced their deal. Okay, so conceivably you'd imagine they'd all be trading kind of at 10 bucks, but yes. they're not. They're trading at closer to 13, I guess is how we're doing it there. But you can see up 12.9%, um, and that's where that index stands right now. This is prior to announcing their deal. Now, soon we're going to have an index as well that actually comprises all the SPACs that have announced their deal. All right, I'm going to sort be of in see on that. how that's performed. Well, you know, these stocks, the, the record is almost perfect for these in terms of going up if you buy them. A lot of people just think that's too good to be true, David. There's so many, man. Primavera today. Liberty Media. Greg Maffei did his SPAC. They, their price of $500 million. Yep. 20, 20 times oversubscribed, Carl. 20 times. 20 times? 20 times. And, and, yeah. Why? Because, they know, because Greg Maffei sends a Christmas card to people? What do they know about Maffei? And now another, yeah. uh, another like SPAC ETF today. Uh, we've already got ticker SPAC. Uh, David, and today the fresh one will be SPXZ. Okay. So now you need a library to keep track of the ETFs, which follow the SPACs themselves. <laughs> Do it's, they sit there? Imagine they sit there in the room and say, you know what, guys, let's do an index. Let's make a lot of money. Yeah, guys, yeah, let's have a lot of money. Let's make money. It's really amazing to print money. It used to be the government's job. Obviously, we've got the deal from Climate Change One here. We got, yeah, it goes on and on. This guy, SPAC Analytics, he must be working 24 7, Mr. SPAC Analytics. How about Antarctica? How about the ice flows? How about water rising? It's not good. No. Uh, save the polar bears. Yeah. Six? Yeah. All right, I'm on it. How about Anwar destruction? Oh, that's the previous regime. That was the previous regime. <laughs> uh, guys, speaking of uh, regimes, we're going to get to what Yellen said yesterday about corporate taxes, about the dollar, about salt, about China. Got a few upgrades today. Uh, Expedia is one of them. Uh, Ford. Disney as UBS goes to 200 and some initiations of names that Jim was just mentioning like Microsoft and CRM out of Goldman. We're back in a minute. Senate Finance will hold a key vote today uh, on Janet Yellen's nomination for Treasury Secretary sometime in the next hour. That could potentially set up a final floor vote uh, later on today, which will be the first test of the bipartisan support, not just for the cabinet nominees, Jim, uh, but for the $1.9 trillion relief package. On Wednesday, it was Senator Romney had some questions about why are we moving so fast? We just passed $900 billion. And then yesterday was Susan Collins. Uh, how much of this is truly at risk? Yeah, uh, the pushback is starting. And I think that, look, I'm, I'm not president, but I think that the everything about the vaccine is all systems go. Uh, I think that the stimulus, uh, the money in people's pockets, all systems go. But once again, David, you know, the state thing, they don't seem to, the Republicans don't even understand that the states are broke. And because they think that only some states are broke. But yeah. COVID has been an equal opportunity destroyer. It has, uh, but it has been an area of, uh, of a lack of any unity whatsoever. None. 
uh, and there was obviously not uh, really included. Now, there is aid that is going to the states in the form of other types of aid, but there is not direct aid to the states to fill, to help them uh, maintain budgets so that they don't have to lay people off or make drastic cuts in services. And that's a question. The Democrats support it. Mitch McConnell, as majority leader, of course, was not. And you heard it sort of being demonized as a red state, blue state thing. And I heard these words, you know, criminality somehow in the blue states. Uh, It was unfortunate. But it doesn't mean that that's going to really move the debate a lot, given the Biden administration's in there. We'll see. Do you think it mattered that they were um, both sides were respectful to Janet Yellen when she was on the Hill? I don't know how you can't be respectful to Janet Yellen. I agree. I agree. Carl, I think the problem is that there are lots of people who still believe that there are only some people who are really hurt and there are many people who aren't. And that's actually true. I mean, we've got a tremendous this is the K economy, a tremendous number of people who are going to take that check and they're going to go buy whatever SPAC David's about to trash. That's a joke. David Mm -hmm. doesn't trash SPACs. He brings them to life. Thank you. I say that because David is the only one other than the CNBC 50 that actually spending some time looking at the SPACs as opposed to just buying the SPACs. But the amount of people uh, from the Murray men who want to put that check to work, buying Unity software, buying CrowdStrike, taking a swing at DoorDash, thinking Airbnb is a bargain. Carl, they are real, and you see them, and the stocks are being shorted against them, betting that the Murray men will run out of of fuel. But if they get those checks, they ain't running out of fuel. They're going to go right back in. And these people are real, and I think people have to recognize they're real buyers. We've been talking about this for almost a year, Uh, the excess savings. uh, Paul Tudor Jones said this would be the first recession we ever went into where households ended up coming out ahead. Uh, The flow of that money into online gaming and stocks... I guess the question now is, Jim, you know, you got Funstrat last night saying COVID-19 is in full-blown retreat. You have the COVID tracking project saying hospitalizations and deaths are starting to normalize. I mean, how much stimulus makes sense enough if, in to, fact, it's getting a little brighter? Enough to be able to make the line move for the Chiefs? I don't know. I mean, that money is going to football betting, maybe $5 billion this weekend. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think that Dr. Fauci was really incredible yesterday, but I didn't feel any sort of reassurance at all because he's a realist. Unmuzzled Fauci. What a pleasure. Yeah, uh, Fauci. I think the lead of the AP story this morning is Anthony Fauci is back. Uh, We'll take a (laughs) break here. Uh, Dow still looking at gains for the week. We're back in a minute. All right, it's time for uh, Jim's Mad Dash. We've got an opening bell less than seven minutes away as well. We are looking for a down open. Let's talk about the real economy and why I don't think all stocks are, are overvalued. I think that they're interesting ones. The rails have been terrific. Union Pacific was down. Excellent interview with Lance Fritz yesterday. Uh, complimented to Carol Bart's interview. Um, uh, okay, so you, CSX reports. And David, excellent ag and food. Uh, great metals, that's scrap. Uh, fertilizers, we know that the farmer is back. Uh, and I've got to tell you, intermodal is on fire. And it's only because of coal and automotive. Now, automotive is going to switch. Where am I going here? CSX had a great quarter. Okay. And, and they're going to send it down. But then buyers are going to come right back. David, you know why? Why? Do you know what they're doing? Yes, <laughs> I do. I know where you're going. I bet you they figured this thing out. They decided... To precisionly, that's not a word, <laughs> precision railroading. I, rem- 
I remember when my father was trying to get boxes and bags from Italy. He's trying to get craft paper from South Carolina. I said, Pop, why don't you use the train? He goes, no, they'll just lose it. <laughs> I just think it's until Hunter Harrison, the late Hunter Harrison, came along. Nobody had ever thought of actually having precision in their railroad. No. I mean, really? No. Yeah. I mean, the trains did but not his, run his, on time. The, person who followed, the guy who followed him obviously also very focused on precision railroad. So they can take share from trucks, and that's what right. it's about because they're on time. They do a great job. By the way, Lance Fritz is terrific, too. I thought the Union Pacific quarter was, was a great opportunity to buy. So I just keep, keep saying, yes, there are stocks that are really way too high. And then there's stocks like CSX, which are telling you that the U.S. economy is coming back. And therefore, they will do better next quarter. All right. We got an opening bell for you. Are you, you wearing hush puppies? What do you got? No, these are not. These are, these are just my regular shoes. What's wrong with them? I like them. They look like they're sp- also they're waterproof. You look like a spack. I look like a spack. Yeah, you look like a spack. I don't even know what that means. I don't right. know. We're right back. Well, climate change. Keep your eye on Disney today. I'll see how it fares in what's likely to be a tough tape. But uh, UBS does go to buy, Jim, 200. Um, not just uh, pent up demand on parks in the second half of the year, but boosting their 2024 fiscal 24 uh, direct to consumer revenue by 16 billion. They were at 27. They go to 43. That's above consensus. Parks and vaccine. Now, that is a piece that candidly could have been written earlier uh, because, frankly, this was laid out at an analyst meeting. But if people want a play on a return to normal, it's still Disney that's the best. It's been that way for 50 points. David, analysts, I think, are a little late to the party. You know they laid this story out at yeah. a really incredible analyst meeting. And the people who come on board now are people who were skeptical about the company yeah. and management. And management's good there. Um, yeah, upgrading now to a buy is, you probably missed some things. I mean, everybody talks about DTC. We've been talking about it now for, yeah. what, yes. two years. Yes, yes. It is the key to the company. They've delivered far surpassed, in fact, at least the targets that they initially shared with us in terms of subscribers around the world. They continue to add them at a, uh, at a rapid rate. You think they're at 100 yet? Uh, they're, get, they're probably getting close, oh, right? I think they're 100 million I mean, they most. might be. I forget where yeah, they were in I'm terms of last important. quarter. But these guys say what, uh, Carl, they expect uh, direct-to-consumer revenues to reach $43 billion by fiscal year 24. They had been at $27 billion. So that just gives you a sense as to the analysts catching up now. Well, at Christine McCarthy, who's absolutely my favorite CFO right now, told you all of this. Yeah. Why didn't they listen to her? What, is she, like, making it up? Sometimes, Carl, the CFO lays out a story. And the CFO has credibility, like Christian <laughs> yeah. McCarthy. And you, you just do what she says. It's not, look, imitation is in some form of flattery, but you would have bought it at 120 instead of 170. Yeah. There's the look at the S&P. Obviously, uh, uh, some negative breath this morning at uh, 3830. At the big board today, it's United Wholesale Mortgage celebrating their listing today. We'll talk to the CEO in the next hour. At the NASDAQ, it's uh, Patria Investments uh, doing the honors. Jim, we, we didn't get to IBM uh, quite yet. Yeah. Um, revenue miss, fourth quarter of a revenue decline, although they are looking for revenue growth this year. Uh, got their feet held to the fire by Tony Saganaki about whether or not the cloud, missing the cloud so far, is just a, a signal about the quality of their, uh, their product. Yeah, uh, Tony, um, we said yesterday, I, made, I, critic- I didn't criticize Tony, but Tony's really good. And... Tony's had a beat on IBM for a long time, as had Lisa Ellis, by the way, a recent partner at Moffitt Nathanson made yesterday. And she has been 
adamant that the, that the cash flow, now adjusted cash flow, they're using whatever that may mean, adjusted free cash You can't adjust it. It's cash flow uh, is not up to uh, what it should be, and it's been declining, and that's a very big worry. I have been saying let's give them a chance with this spinoff. Uh, uh, Martin Schroeder is going to be running the spinoff of, of what people think are the slower growing. It's kind of like uh, an Accenture. Uh, and that may make it so that Red Hat comes more to the fore. Red Hat numbers were good. Uh, I believe that the dividend can be covered right now um, um, by the two different entities. And, David, I think that IBM is owned by a lot of what I would say we used to call them, what, widows, you know, mothers, whatever, which right. was People now depending on a dividend. Right. Now, we've got to get rid of that terminology because yes. that's not right. But the, no. depending on the dividend, um, I think it's fine for now. Uh, it may be, but it's, it's never nice to see your stock down 9%. I mean, can we go back? Can we take a look at a 10-year on IBM? I'd just be curious. Or even a 20-year just to get a feel for how things have gone longer term here. Um, yeah. I mean, I Remember when Tom the, Hagen says, there we go. why do you hurt me, Michael? There we go. Why do you hurt me, David? That's a bad I, I don't mean this to hurt you, Jim. This well, is no, not, I'm speaking metaphorically. Uh, understood. I, but, I didn't think you'd take it so personally. But there, it gives you a sense. And that, Warren yeah. Buffett was in there, and he realized... Wasn't right. And then he, what, he went to Dairy Queen, so a lot of kids uh, uh, with an apple switched to Apple, one of the greatest investments ever. <laughs> I go to Dairy Queen more often. Of course, he owns Dairy Queen. Berkshire, by far the I'm, largest I'm single owner my... of Apple. Sorry, Carl. Yeah. No, I, I, to Jim's line, I'm taking my kids, my grandkids to Dairy Queen. Let me know what you want to do. Oh, one of the my. great lines of the financial crisis. Mm-hmm. But uh, IBM is tough because it was a bad quarter. I mean, there's no mincing words. It was a bad quarter. A lot of deals didn't close. Uh, a lot of people are pulling for IBM, including me, because it is like if we want to talk about Intel as a national treasure. We need to talk about IBM as a national treasure. And we really want it to work. And I don't want to cheerlead for it. I think that that buying uh, Red Hat, and I wish Jim Whitehurst were on the call, frankly, because I think he's doing a pretty good job. Uh, but there is uh, Saganegi saying they missed the cloud. Look, the cloud, uh, IBM is telling you it's one of the largest, it, 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 you know, obviously Oof, a top. Look at that. What? That's the 20-year. That's just, that's pain. That's pain. What are you, like Mr. T? <laughs> yeah. Mr. Forecast calls the for forecast pain. Is he pain? told you. He's, I, he made a good call on IBM, Mr. T. He yes, said he the forecast did. calls for pain on IBM. Yes, I remember he did. that distinctly. But, and but he was Carl, right. Carl, I, I, I am concerned that when you miss quarter after quarter, uh, you've got to get it right soon. And the clock is ticking, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Arvin Christian's terrific. He's got a clear vision. But that uh, you can't have these kinds of quarters and expect that your company is going to uh, attract institutional investors. It's just not. It's not. Yeah. Um, we mentioned uh, Goldman initiating a bunch of uh, cloud service, Jim. Uh, they are buys on Microsoft, Salesforce, Splunk, and, and now. Sells uh, on Oracle and Autodesk uh, trying to separate the wheat from the chaff. Yeah, look, Autodesk is a pretty good company, but that was uh, damning with unfeigned praise. Uh, uh, Oracle, I look, TikTok, I don't know. I mean, we, TikTok is, but Walmart was praised because of this TikTok relationship this morning in a, in a very big piece by uh, Jeffries. But look, I, uh, I, I think Salesforce has been, uh, mo- it's, it's just been biding its time. Why? Because it's, it's buying slack. A lot of people don't like that. Uh, AMD, by the way, biding its time. Why? Because it's buying Xilinx. A lot of people don't like that. NVIDIA biding its time because they're trying to buy ARM Holdings, a deal which I believe David must say has very little likelihood of, 
of getting you, a piss. You think money. very little. I don't I have don't. great insight into it. There is certainly there is a, a, a good deal of concern that the Chinese antitrust regulator, SAMR, SAMR is how we use I back with Jensen Wong. Will not allow that deal to happen. Jensen Wong says that deal's going to close. It's going to close. I really believe that. Arm holdings, he would, it would be game, set, match for everybody if they get that. Right. But you don't think it's going to. Well, I just think the, I'm more worried about the British regulators who seem to worry oh, okay. about, about, uh, about NVIDIA being too powerful. Oh, so you, you're actually more concerned on that yes, side. Yes, I am. I didn't realize that. I didn't know ARM is based in uh, Britain, Carl. And what I, I fear is that people are going to say there is NVIDIA and then there's just everybody else and no one's ever going to catch up. Uh, to some degree, Jensen Wong is so brilliant. By the way, he likes Ferraris. He's got two Ferraris. He likes speed. No, by the way, that is no slight on Ford, which is versus Ferrari, upgraded today by J.P. Morgan on hot new products. But I think Jensen's got unbelievable uh, uh, autonomous driving. That's next. AI, machine learning, all all these different uh, cliches that nobody really else has other than NVIDIA. Um, Which gets me to what? Climate change crisis, real impact, one acquisition corporation. How did it get to that? What was the segue? I don't know. It's a segue because we're talking, I'm thinking Ford. I'm thinking EV. I was also thinking GM and that move. And when I think EV now, I think EV go. And then I think of the climate change crisis, real impact fund. Why wouldn't I? Which announced the deal this morning to merge with EV go, which was 100% owned by LS Power. Uh, They're all rolling in, by the way, existing shareholders. Let's give you a quick look at what we're talking about. 2.1%. Uh, $1 billion enterprise value. They also have a $400 million pipe, uh, BlackRock, Newberger, PIMCO, which is actually part of the sponsor here as well. Expect to close it in the second quarter of this year. Um, wow. But, Jim, it's already doubled. Uh, it's already doubled from, well, sorry, you saw what it was up. I know. But what that basically means is you're talking about an enterprise value now of closer to $5 billion. Let's call it, yeah, about $5 billion. So, that is over eight times 2025 revenue guidance. It's about a 5.6 time multiple on 2026 revenue guidance. And I'm told that is in line with SBE charge point, which trades at about eight similar multiples. Yeah, that is. That is. Um, they're talking about being free cash flow positive in 2026. And obviously, they're going to use this money to continue to expand the network of fast charging sites around the country. They've already got I think it's 1,412. David, don't you think it's amazing? David Crane, who's my classmate at at law school. Yes, David uh, Crane, formerly of NRG. He got fired from NRG. And one of the reasons why he got fired is that I think he wanted to have a fossil fuel company that was going to be a clean energy company. He was too early. He was too early. Now he would be revered. NRG, obviously, we don't have a picture of that chart. Oh, yeah, we might. Yeah, I took a look for, at it. For yeah, when he not. was fired versus what happened after, because it was one of the great performers ever. And yet, yes. all Crane wanted to do was make it so there were charging stations. And I had him on repeatedly about charging stations because I thought it was just the way of the future. But the utilities, David, are slow to embrace, not as slow as the, as the oil companies. Right. The oil companies are still saying, hey, listen, man, we got 30 more years, blah, blah. This 2016. Is, we need to see 2016 on that chart. 2015, 2016. We'll see, that's, no, that's only one year. Wait, um, we can't, we can't no, call up but, at 20. But there is energy. Listen, all of this is based on the idea of EV growth of they're talking 24% a year. CAGR, compound annual growth rate. So that would be almost 100 times expected between 2019 and 2040. 
in terms of the market. So the market will be 100 times larger in 2040 than it was in 2019. It's possible. And you're going to need an awful lot of charging stations David, if those growth numbers are anywhere near correct. EV's 3% right now. Right. Why can't EV go to 20%? The countries are going to outlaw fossil fuels. next 20 years, fuels. it potentially could. You, but people keep buying Exxon. They're buying Schlumberger. Schlumberger had a good quarter because they're taking a classic short-term view of what's going on with energy. Yeah, but do you know how much money has moved into SPACs and then been capital available for all of these companies that are pursuing these opportunities in terms of the growth of EV? I mean, it's been many, many, many billions of dollars. I, I don't know what to which do. Which is, by the way, you could argue a very positive thing in terms of SPACs because the money's gone in there. You're bringing companies public that are fairly early in their development stage. You're giving investors right. an opportunity to own them earlier. Right. As opposed to so many of these great growth companies we saw stay private for such a long period of time because they had such access to private capital. Well, this is a good discussion because the Murray men, Carl, have actually given a lot. I'm speaking about all the people, this new young cohort. They love a, a sec, They love a, an offering. And why do they like a stock offering? Because they then give the money to the company that they can dream dreams. Yes, everybody wants to be the next Tesla, Carl, because Tesla's the greatest story ever told. It works. Right, right. Well, Jim, I mean, I, I know you don't. You don't begrudge anyone for doing a short-term trade or a no, rental not at in all. the energy space. Not at all. Uh, legacy, legacy-wise, I did notice Nomura initiated uh, Neo uh, with a buy, uh, with an 80 target, implies about 40 percent upside, calling them the heir apparent in China's EV world. So there, there are short-term cars. views and long-term views. Yep, luxury cars. They own the luxury car market in China. Luxury EV. I know that BMW tried to do luxury EV, and it's just not really worked. Uh, no, the, but Neo is competing with Tesla in China. Neo's real. So it's, so it's, Neo's yeah. a real company. Well, Neo, I mean, has even better performance. You can see it there over well, one year than the has Tesla. The stock was Tesla. at one. Yes. The stock was at one in May. Yeah, one, one to 58 is right. not bad. How's your index fund doing? By the way, speaking of Chinese companies, guys, an IPO to keep an eye on today. Uh, it's an ADR listing. It's a, a Chinese company. The, it's one of the uh, big vaping companies, e-vaping, yeah, RLX. It's about 30 times oversubscribed. That doesn't mean anything. I know. I, I was going to slam we'll the see. heck out of this because like a vaping company. But yeah. then everyone told me, Jim, hot as a pistol, the vaping company. So I said, you know what? I'm going to suspend all judgment. All right. We'll see how it opens. It's not yet. Uh, and it may be a bit. But uh, but I did want to mention that because it was a feature this morning among some people I was speaking to who are trying to get allocations. You know, people don't vape as much anymore, David. They don't what? They don't vape? They no, don't? they don't vape as much. Because of why? Well, Remember that? Yeah. Good, Carl. You, you did a Remember special. when that was a big national issue, Jim? Yes. I saw a Those great different special days on when, uh, it, uh, yeah, I saw a special that killed back. it. I think a special killed it. It was one of the most moving specials we have ever done, Carl. And when you saw what happened to children. I haven't seen Jewel come public through a SPAC yet. No, it I didn't mean, really work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jewel. Yeah. What was that, $100 billion? Uh, Jim, no. They'd make a SPAC out of that thing. Yeah. Maybe that'll be polar bears. Uh, that's signature jewelry. That signature is worth a lot more than Jewel. I like Signature. <laughs> uh, Jim, um, on some of the reopening plays today, uh, you've got uh, members of uh, the Japanese Olympic Committee pushing back on reports that that's going to get canceled. The Bond movie actually was delayed to October. That's the third delay. And now Carnival uh, extending cancellations to the end of April now. So, again, this first half story that we had been maybe hoping for aspirationally is looking a little dimmer. I think that when we hear from these companies, we're going to hear about 2022 second half bookings that are going to blow the doors off of what people expect. 
I think this, the bookings are going to be extraordinary. And people will regret selling Norwegian Cruise right here, which I think is going to have a barn burner 2022. 2022. Well, yeah. it's next year. No, I get next it. year. I'll, I don't yeah. know what you're hearing from. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing not talking I'm, more I'm about like doing work coming back to the office, Jim. September. I'm starting to hear after Labor Day. I don't know, you know, which has moved it yet again. Well, South African brew coming. Yeah. Carl, we got to stay away from this. Although, thing. yeah. Yeah. I mean, Fauci did yesterday say that the process of adjusting the vaccine, I think his words were uh, not a very onerous process. We certainly hope he's right about that. Yeah, we do. And look, I know people, you know, I've had the first half of Moderna, but I think that there's starting to be some pressure to really get things going. And you got to do what Darius Adamchak from CEO of Honeywell did when he with David Tepper. The private sector has to get involved, Carl. It has to. All right, guys, um, all sectors, red, uh, communications tech trying to come back to the flat line. Let's get to Bob Bassani. Hey, Bob. Good morning, guys. Uh, happy Friday. Uh, important thing for today is remember we said stocks at new highs. The narrative has to be sort of perfect. Anything that disrupts the big three narrative uh, idea is going to be a problem with stocks at this height. And that's the problem we have today. So take a look. You see the reopening sectors. What are the reopening sectors? Well, it's China, which is down today. Uh, energy, materials and tech all down. There you see defensive groups like Staples, which have been lagging, holding up relatively better than the rest of the sector. All of the reopening stuff, uh, Carl mentioned the Carnival, uh, but the travel stocks, uh, the oil stocks, Apache, uh, one of the bellwethers down, REITs like Simon Property Group down. This is the reopening story. So the situation is, remember the big three of, uh, in terms of narratives that keeps the market holding up. All three of them a little tougher today. So on the stimulus, there's a lot more talk that maybe one trillion dollar stimulus is more likely than two trillion dollar stimulus. There's a, a lot of discussion on the vaccine rollout and concerns about some of these new strains may not be as if uh, the vaccine may not be as effective in some of these strains. We have to determine that. It's not clear, but there are some questions. Uh, and st- the effect of this is that the reopening may be a little farther out than anticipated. This is not terribly surprising. We knew about these possibilities. Uh, but remember, the markets at this height, there is very little room for error. Earnings generally are doing really, really well. The bank numbers were good. Estimates are generally rising for the first quarter. People ask me about IBM. This is a 10-year chart of IBM. IBM hit its height in 2013. It was what? I think 215 back then. That was the height for IBM. Since then, generally, revenues have been declining every single year. Maybe one year it was up. Earnings have generally been declining. Since 2013, the market is reacting very rationally to a company that used to be a tech bellwether, but it is not really a tech bellwether anymore, at least in terms of a leadership in earnings growth, in revenue growth. So the market's acting very rationally. And of course, like Jim, I I root for IBM too, but we just see the earnings and revenue history. That's what you want to look at, and that's what the market is reacting to. I want to talk to you about the retail trader. A couple months ago, we were talking about Robinhood and the effects, and uh, I got you some updated numbers, folks. These numbers are astonishing. Uh, the volumes went through the roof last year. Equity trading, stock trading volumes went through the roof. 2019, the average volume was about 7 billion shares a day. Uh, in 2020, the average volume was about 10.9 billion shares. Th- this is all trading and all equities on all the tape. 2021 so far, that's not a typo, 14.7 billion shares averaging. So we're talking about magnitudes of order greater going up in the last couple of years and even bigger over December 2020 over January 2021. What's doing it? What's moving this? 
I think it's clear that a lot of this change is due to the retail trader continuing to be a very big force in the market. So why do we think that? Well, monthly trades uh, at the retail brokers at a record, Swab, E-Trade, I mean, amazing numbers. The record, uh, the, the tape that reports the retail trade, uh, the TRF, the trade reporting facility, is also at a record. Uh, and finally, we are seeing record equity options trading continuing. There's been a lot of debate about this, but the bottom line is uh, uh, retail traders very interested in getting educated about buying uh, uh, out-of-the-money call options. And of course, we all know, Carl, this works until it doesn't work. And never mistake an up market for being a genius. But we're in an up market right now, and so far, all of those efforts to buy into that is paying off. Back to you. All right, Bob. Thanks, uh, Bob Pisani. We'll take a break here. As you can see from the bottom of your screen, we just got uh, the market manufacturing PMI coming in 59.1. Uh, estimate was for 57. Services come in 57.5. We were looking for 54.8. Although on the composite, the employment index 51.8 is the lowest since July. We're back in a moment. A legal victory for Amazon, a federal judge ruling that she will not order the AWS unit to reinstate Parler. Uh, she writes, quote, that event was a tragic reminder that inflammatory rhetoric can, more swiftly and easy, easily than many of us would have hoped, turn a lawful protest into a violent insurrection. The court rejects any suggestion that the public interest favors requiring a AWS to host the incendiary speech that the record shows some of Parler's users have engaged in. Uh, Jim... Amazon's argument was that this was not necessarily a new thing. It was the result of uh, a series of warnings and apparent inability or unwillingness to rein in that content. Yeah, I don't really get why there isn't more of an uproar against the uh, people who are doing the uh, insurrection uh, putsch kind of, uh, uh, of cheerleading or suggesting how to do it. I mean, that's not, it's not the fault of the carrier, for heaven's sake. Why blame the carrier? I mean, if you're doing something that I regard as being genocidal or racist or taking over a country or attempting to defeat the Constitution, those are the guys who are at fault. I'm not, David, I don't want free speech for, for racism, free speech for insurrection. That's not what the country's built on. No. Uh, and the Amazon decision was an interesting one, as, of course, was Twitter's decision to not just suspend uh, former President Trump, but to ban him right. from the platform. Interesting to note, Carl, I'm sure, as you saw, the Ayatollah has now been suspended. Did wonder how you could yeah. suspend and or ban the pres former president and not the Ayatollah. Yeah, uh, a lot of critics argue, guys, that Twitter's suspension policy is is a work in progress. Yeah, uh, but that did cross a few moments ago. <laughs> Not crystal. Take a clear. break here. We'll be back in a moment. <laughs> S&P gainers this morning uh, for the week, led by Ford. 18%. Ford is above $11 for the first time since the summer of 2018. Uh, JPM ups to overweight today with a target of 14. We're back in a moment.
Let's get to Jim and stop trading. Who said the mall is dead? We had LB doing very well. Gap just okay. But we got American Eagle Outfitters with a conference yesterday. And David, listen up, because I bet your daughter loves Airy, A-E-R. I.E. It's the most exciting concept in retail. Look at that chart. That stock is going higher. Hmm. Yes. I'll ask her. Look, Carl. <laughs> I'll ask her. Yeah. Uh, Jim, how, how about tonight? Okay. Uh, first Horizon, I love the regionals. I think they're way undervalued. And then Rampack, which is the new way to be able to do packaging. A lot of us feel that there's too much waste in packaging, especially from Amazon. Mm-hmm. You know, you Finally, really quick, who's going to the Super Bowl? Oh man, it's going to be the it's going to be still going to be the Chiefs. I think he plays, Mahomes plays, and it's going to be the Pack, the Packers, and that's Bob Iger's team, by the way. Remember Bob? Of course, I remember Bob. Really? Because once you leave the CEO, <laughs> yes. don't people forget? Yes. He's out there right now. Hi, Bob. <laughs> Jim, we'll see you at six. That's Enjoy the weekend. weekend. Uh, Mad Money, of course, uh, six p.m. Eastern time. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street.